is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 115 for Monday, June the 10th, 2013. Good evening, you said. Did I? You did. We Good. usually say hello. Now uh, you're forcing all of our listeners to listen to this in the evening. Good evening. Good morning. Hello. Good night. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it's been a while since we've done this, so a I guess I forgot while. the routine. Yeah. I forgot the routine. Well, it's amazing. Well, that's why I'm here is to call you on it. It's amazing how quickly the routine just escapes my brain. Um, but it's it's good to be back. Yeah, it's good. It's been a whole month since we recorded. It's been a which, long time. Frankly, is too long. Frankly, yes, it's too long. Um, but you know, here we are. We're not going anywhere, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Okay. Before that, though, today is a very special day in the history of the world. Is it? Absolutely. It's ballpoint pen day. Oh, okay. If the ballpoint pen wasn't invented, how would we record all the things that have happened up until now? Pencils. I suppose pencils. Typewriters, computers, printers. <laughs> before all that. Audio. The ballpoint pen came before everything except the pencil. Uh, well, and and the, uh, the, what, the fountain pen and the quill dipped in ink. And I suppose there's lots ballpoint of Ballpoint pen is too. just a recent addition to the uh, wonderful uh, you know, plethora of writing tools available well, to humanity. Do you want to know when it was invented? I sure do. On this day in 1943. 43. Brothers Laszlo and George Bureau filed a patent for what's now uh, one of the world's most common writing instruments, the ballpoint pen. Others had tried to design a self-inking mechanical pen that rolled on a ball with little success. Huh. The Bureaus perfected the, desi- the design, named it the, the Byrome, or Birome, <laughs> and opened a pen shop in Argentina. In 1945, the pens went on sale in the U.S. at Gimbel's in New York for $12.50 each, adjusted for inflation. What Ouch. do you think that is? That's probably like $84. $145 adjusted for inflation. Uh, the store sold $125,000 of them in one day, and Bic which bought the patent, has now sold over $100 billion since 1950. For $100 each. <laughs> Can you imagine? You see, I always thought it was invented by uh, Henry Ball and Theodore Point. Uh, no, those guys must have done something else. Yeah, something else. <laughs> so when was the last time you used a ballpoint pen? You know, I was just thinking about this question. It's, uh, it's been a while. It's probably been over a month. Really? Yeah. Not even to sign a document or... Well, you buy something with your credit card, you have to sign it. No. <clears throat> when don't you uh, you put in your credit card and you enter your PIN now? Yeah, but in restaurants you most usually have to sign Oh, I don't go to restaurants. All right. Well. Or if I do, I pay by uh, Interact. No, I find the or whole cash. I find the whole PIN or lack of signature thing about 50% of the time in stores now. It has to do, I think, with how much you spend. Over a certain amount, they still require a signature. I think you and I are frequenting uh, different stores. It could be. Because I haven't, I have uh, I don't recall, probably once or twice have I ever signed a credit card statement. What? Credit card uh, <clears throat> receipt. But it, No, for a long time it happened 100% of the time. Well, I didn't have a credit card then. All right. The it, credit card in my life is only a recent addition. It's it, only been like three years. Yeah, but it wasn't that long ago when before they started phasing out the signature. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. Are you sure you don't just have a debit card? <laughs> no, I have a debit card, and I use that as well. But I also have a Visa card, and uh, every time that I recall, I put put it in the device and enter a PIN number, and I'm done. It's funny. I only got a <laughs> PIN number on my credit card like four months ago. Oh, really? For the first time, yeah. Oh, that's probably why. 
you know, when I got the credit card, it's probably, oh, let's get this guy on the pilot program. <laughs> I guess so. Well, as fascinating as this is. I don't use a pen. I, uh, I purposefully do not take a pen with me to work. I, uh, I work on site of client, uh, client locations, and I, def- I don't take a pen with me because if I do, I'm liable to write something down. And if I write something down, that means it's going to get lost. If I want to make a note, I make a note on my computer someplace where it can be remembered, tracked, edited, traced, uh, brought up to uh, condemn and condone, all very, kinds of stuff. Very interesting. We work in different ways, it sounds yeah, like. we do. But hey, that's, that's bound to happen. Um, before we get into our listener email of the week, and unprecedented this week, we have an email and a call. Ooh, call of the week. Yeah, we have both. Um, I just want to talk briefly about something Dave is doing, friend of the show Dave. As we all know, he draws comics, he writes comics, he does, he's been doing one for a while now called Stranger, which is a zombie comic. If you haven't checked it out, go to stranger.renerd.com, that's R-E-N-E-R-D.com. And he's getting ready to publish issue number five. Five? Print, print issue number five. That, it's that all, sounds like publish. Well, yeah, but it's all been pub- traditional published sense, online yeah. already, yeah. right? So he's getting ready to, to print number five. And he wants people, he wants to do something special at the end of that, uh, that issue. So he sent me this little note, and I thought I'd read it here. He says, you all know I love adding extra content to the printed copies of Stranger, and I have been wrestling with what I can add to make issue five just as special as the rest. Well, what could be more special than being immortalized in print as we discuss the finer points of Stranger? What's the deal with Barry? Is Sean Sean Sean's actual name? Who is this character based on, and why does that character do that? I am sure you lovely people can think up way more interesting questions or observations. Maybe even send me a pic of Stranger in the Wild. So what he wants to do is print a letters column. Oh, great idea. At the back of issue number five. So I told him I'd mention it here. Everyone, if you haven't already, go check out Stranger, stranger.renerd.com. It's Dave's comic. And I'll let him know what you think. He wants to He wants to get the feedback. He loves to get the feedback. As everyone usually does. Yeah, absolutely. That's a fantastic idea. Yeah. So there you go. Go do that. Read Stranger and uh, send him your thoughts and you'll get printed, possibly. It's exciting. Yes. If you'd like to, uh, you know, hear your voice on the internet on this show, you call in, maybe you could do the same for Dave and write in and he'll print it up for you. See your your words in print. Exactly. Exactly. That's the goal of uh, some people in life, just to see their own words in print Mm -hmm. in the editorial section of the newspaper. Okay, listener email of the week. Matthias in Germany sent this in. And now the first thing he does is challenge us to pronounce his hometown. Okay. (laughs) I'm having trouble with his name. Isn't it Matthias? Uh, Okay, maybe it's Matthias. (laughs) So I've failed already. (laughs) Well, okay, well, we got that out of the way. It's either Matthias or Matthias. Now we got, uh, now it comes to the German hometown. Yeah, uh, maybe it's it's Matthias. Oh, God. With a TH. Yeah. Anyways. uh, Wait, how's it spelled? M A T. T-H-I-A-S. Matthias. It's like you always... And Matthias, and Matthias. Where's he from? Germany. Germany, right. That's what I thought. It's the second vowel you pronounce. I don't know that much about Germany, but I do think... Well, I, I mean about German pronunciation, but I do think I know how to pronounce his hometown. Okay. Here's how it's spelled. All right. W-U-R-Z-B-U-R-G. And the U has an umlaut on it. Oh, God. Two dots. I was going to ask about the umlaut if there was an umlaut in there. Here's what I'm thinking. W is going to be pronounced like a V. Yes. So V. Yeah. If, if, in case you were wondering. Wurzburg. And, and no, and the Z is going to be more like a TS in English. So I think it's Wurzburg. 
Würzburg. 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 That's what I'm going with. Not Würzburg or Würzburg. Würzburg. There's right. like a Würz in the middle there. Okay. Is this... Can I, oh, I'm all anticipatory now. Does this has to do with the call? Well, this is his email. He says, Hi, guys. I live in Germany. You wouldn't believe it. My town is called Würzburg. Now it's on you to try and speak it correctly. Uh, beyond that, your podcast is great. I listen to it all the time. You might ask yourself, is The Walking Dead really popular in Germany? No, not really. <laughs> but, but I don't consider myself a real German. I got infected with The Walking Dead virus in the USA, and I watched every episode since. In your last podcast, you try to think of an ending to the TV show and of how many seasons the show should have. I hope that the producers think of a way to show uh, that all the humans are doomed. I just hate it that most series have a happy ending. I hate happy endings. Uh, so for me, finding a cure is out of the question, and that only leaves one alternative. Everybody dies. Everybody dies. <laughs> so there you go. Matthias or Matthias in Germany is uh, kind of a downer. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> it's not a happy-go-lucky show. No, it's not, really. I mean, we, we came up with all sorts of scenarios when we were talking about it. Yep. We didn't really get to the everybody dies, but... That's, you know, it's pretty likely. I don't see why not. I don't see why not either. Uh, Alicia, or again, Alicia in California. <laughs> it's a funny name. <laughs> it's a bad name show. California not that funny. What? California? California. California. She called in uh, with this. It's kind of something cool that one of her friends is doing, and I thought I'd play it. This is Alicia in Big Sur, California. Hey, there we go. And yeah. my neighbors and I want to tell you about a. Our neighbor Tyson is doing a one-year living sustainably as though the apocalypse has happened. He's calling his blog zombiesinbigsur.blogspot.something or another. But if you just Google zombies in Big Sur, it was intended as an experiment in living sustainably, but the theme of being post-apocalyptic zombies came into play. So it's zombies in Big Sur. He's living an amazing experiment in life and sustainability, and we're really proud, and it's just fucking awesome. And I just think that the Walking Dead fans would appreciate this journey as well. All right, guys. Love your show. Thanks. Bye. So are you looking it up right now? I'm so looking it up. There's, like, uh, there's blog posts for like week 30 video. Yeah. I looked it, for it up a while. too the other day. The guy's like seven months in. And he's been living off the land at some ranch or something like that, I guess, in Big Sur or near Big Sur, California. And as far as I can tell, I didn't go through it all because there's a lot of information there. He's clearly still using the Internet, but he's well, yeah. collecting his own food. He's, you know, uh, I, I don't I guess he's living partially, at least without electricity. I mean, he needs electricity for a computer, but no phone, nothing like that. And uh, no phone, no lights, no motor car. Exactly. So he's got to fish, he's got to hunt, he's got to do other things to survive. Um, he's in California, so he's probably not too much at risk of you know freezing to death. But you never know. Yeah, it gets kind of cold. But it could, you could know, cold. you're not going to get eight feet of snow. It's unlikely. Yeah. Um, but it looked like a pretty interesting project, so I thought I'd mention it here. And if you do that Google search for zombies in Big Sur, um, you can go check it out too. It seemed kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Kind of neat. And takes a lot of balls to do that. I don't think I'd give up my creature comforts for a year to live in a shack in the woods. You know, I don't think I could do it either. I might have when I was younger, but uh, not not now. Sure, back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now obviously not. I've got. Isn't True Blood about to come back on the air? 
in June. Well, how could you miss that? Yeah, so... Yeah. Think of how far behind in TV watching you'd get just by taking a year off. I don't know if I'd be able to catch up. Well, I, as it stands right now, there's too many The shows. real danger is if I miss a year of TV, I might not care anymore. Ooh, that's bad, man. <laughs> See, and that's bad. That's bad. That scares me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to go there. Yeah. Don't want to go there. So anyways, go check it out if this is your kind of thing. Uh, thank you, Alicia. Alicia? Did she say Alicia? Oh, yeah. I'm the Alicia, worst. I am the worst. Thank you for calling and telling us. I might follow that a little bit more. The guys, what did I say, seven months in or eight yeah. months in? That's insane. The more I think about it. <laughs> All righty. Time to get into the meat of this show, finally. Right. We've only been going for how long? I don't know. But we're going to do this for the first time in a little while. The Walking Dead News. Okay, there's a fair bit of Walking Dead news this week, I'm happy to report. Good. A lot of it relates to season four and the filming and the production that, production that is going on right now. So some of this is a little bit spoilery. Most of it is just um, either speculation or you know actors and producers kind of talking their way around questions and things like that. So you don't have to worry too much about spoilers. Yeah. Um, the first thing here I'm going to report is three things that are actually not rumors. Three things that are confirmed. Facts. Facts about True season, facts. season four. And don't worry, these are not spoilery. The first is that the season four premiere is written by Scott Gimple. Nice. He's the new showrunner. New showrunner, yeah. He wrote Clear from last year. Yep. He wrote the episode where Sophia came out of the barn in season two. He's written some good stuff. Yeah. So he's writing the first episode which they've done finished filming already okay uh the premiere will be directed by greg nicotero Ooh, also good i don't know greg nicotero directed laurie's Bodygate last year which was one of my biggest issues with the season now i don't blame the director entirely for that for that scene but i didn't like the scene at all and it just didn't play out very well and the director has to take responsibility he does yeah and he, he didn't really do that uh that Publicly, anyways. But right. for all we know, he has no idea that it was. He's even directed a other stuff that's been good, though. Oh yeah, it's not. That's not his only directing credit on the show, and he's done an okay job. Um, but having said that, there are other directors that have done episodes that are far superior, I think, to anything that Nicotero's done. All right. So great writing on the premiere with Scott Kimple. Average directing. Okay. You know that's that's my feeling. I can live it. with that. Okay. <laughs> um, and then one other thing is that Gail Ann Hurd confirmed that there will be a time jump between seasons. Oh, good. Of four to ten months. Not enough. Not enough? Not enough. I want a year. Well, we don't know where we fall in that, if we fall closer to ten or four. Um, all that was said is that it's more than three and less than twelve. Right. So I came up with like four to ten, maybe four to eleven. Okay. So you did the math. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's complex math right there. Yeah. Um, okay, well, you know, that's not too bad, because that's, that's a year from the beginning of the season, right? The beginning of uh, the last season. I guess so, yeah. How, how, what, what was the time span on season three? It was probably a couple of weeks. Yeah, it didn't seem like that much. Maybe a, ma maybe a month at yeah. most. So we get almost a year between sort of the start of seasons. That's okay. Enough time to plant crops and uh, to put up curtains and maybe put out a, little, uh, a few flower boxes. And season two was... Uh, not enough time to deliver a baby, so it was like seven or eight months yeah, between was, seasons. Yeah, and a lot happened there. Like they became well, a uh, a solid fighting crew between the last season and this season. They did. They went around in circles a lot, apparently. But, yeah. So we'll see. 
So anyways, about 10, let's say eight, let's say eight months between, you're right, lots lots of time for stuff to happen, for them to do things, to get settled, or open up a whole bunch of other can of worms that we're going to dive right into. All right, so a gestation period, give or take. Yeah, exactly. All right. Okay, the next ones here uh, are a little bit spoilery, but these are only rumors, so I can't present these as facts in any way. They're not facts. We've we've done with the fact portion of the news. Uh, All but one. Okay. And the first one is that there's rumors of a plane crash happening Uh, in season four. Um, I'm not sure where this originated, this rumor, but what do you think? Plane crash? We had a helicopter crash in season three, which kind of made sense, and... Now we're this much deeper, this much farther into the zombie apocalypse, and are there going to still be planes flying around? Okay, well, it depends on the type, kind of plane, right? If you have like a uh, an open air biplane, uh, World War One era, those things are basically uh, sewing machines that you can fix up in a in a in a closet someplace and get that thing running. I'm going to go take right? my sewing machine out for a <laughs> twirl there. Well, you find an engine; those kind of engines you can fix up. They were uh, the wings were made of cloth. Right, that kind of thing you can fix up and get running. Mm-hmm. An airliner, I'm not going to buy. No, no, no. There's, uh, it can't be like a commercial passenger jet. Right, doody do, you know, know, flying from LaGuardia to LAX. I mean, for, <laughs> I mean, first of all, not everyone, even pilot, most pilots can't fly those things. I don't think. What do you mean they can't fly? They well, like fly if you're, every day. if I mean, if you're certified to fly a little float plane on on the sea, you're not flying a seven forty seven. No, no, they have they have a definitely a different skill set. But I'm sure you know commercial pilots are all over the place. They're gonna some of them are gonna survive. Okay, I guess so. But the other problem is supplies, like fuel. And yeah, you got to fuel the bird. You got to get the thing ready. Maintenance things you that clear pilots, the runway. Pilots don't do. You have exactly. to kill the zombie in the bathroom. There's all <laughs> kinds of problems. Exactly. Yeah. But you're right. Maybe a tiny little like. Two-seater, yeah, something four-seater. small like a, a bush plane. You could probably get running, you know, with the requisite skills. Like it would have to be something like I couldn't get it running. Nope. I couldn't get the car running if it would broken down for some reason. You know, it bicycles mu- even iffy. Yeah, I think the car ran out of carburetor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, yeah, the cars don't even have carburetors anymore. But it might run out. <laughs> it could run out of carburetor. Who knows? Yeah. So, you know, with the requisite skill set, you could get a plane running and up in the air. You could clear a runway. They land on grass all the time, or they used to. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I could buy a biplane. I could buy a bush plane, uh, probably a bush plane, a smaller one, maybe a two-seater, maybe a four-seater, that kind of thing. Okay. So, in theory, we could see a little small aircraft crash here. You put skis on it, and you could land on a whole bunch of zombies. <laughs> <laughs> Ski, yeah. There's got to be a float plane or seaplane. This is a zombie plane. That's right, zombie lander. Uh, so that's rumors of a plane crash. I, I don't know where this came from, but I'd be surprised if it actually happens. I don't know. Oh, you think this is disinformation? I don't think it's disinformation. I think it's either somebody reading too much into something they they saw. Or, you know, maybe someone was on a set somewhere and there was a plane crashed. There could have been a plane crash, you know, on day one of the zombie outbreak. Right. And it's still there. Right. So, like, Lost, when they found the plane crash. Uh, they were in the plane crash in Lost. No, they were in the plane crash, but in the bush they found the plane that crashed. That oh, had, yeah. That uh, had, uh, what's it, Mr. Easy? No, uh, Echo's brother. Right? Echo's brother? Yeah, they were running drugs. Oh, okay. Yeah, I yeah. sort of remember. Yeah. Remember so, Echo? Yeah, there was a... Uh, uh, yeah, so there was a plane crash in that, but it crashed like, you know, 10 years ago. That's what I'm saying. So there could be like an old plane crash that they come across. So they might come across the Black Rock as well. Something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Smoke monster. Yeah. Uh, okay. 
a bunch of set photos have come in of people snooping around sets. Cool. One of them is uh, there's some filming taking place at an abandoned Big Spot store. What's a Big Spot? In real life, it's a Walmart, but they rebranded it Big Spot. Okay, so it's like Target. Well, which is like the, Walmart. The, yeah, well, yeah, it's just, it's a it's a kind of an amalgam between Target and Walmart. Sure, Big Spot. <laughs> Right. So they're doing some filming there. Don't know what that means other than, you know, maybe they're just looking for supplies or they're out on a, a run somewhere uh, or they've genuinely decided to go shopping. I Do don't I know. recall this from something? Uh, maybe this Z- one Zombieland. Of the, one I don't know. One of the video games, they came, they went into a, like a Target or a Walmart Oh, or no, in, um, in one of the novels. They spend some time. Oh, yes. Okay. And in the second, in the second yeah. one. No, in, I got uh, you now. In uh, the road to road Woodbury. Road to Woodbury, yeah. Okay. They spend some time in a Walmart, actually, I think. Yeah. Um, and I believe Walmart has appeared in the comic, too, early on, if I'm not mistaken. And, and I think it was actually Walmart by name. So it must be burned down, then. Because if it was, you know, if it was, like, in pristine condition that nobody broke into, it'd be a Walmart. <laughs> yes. Right? And it would have been licensed and, and, you know, all kinds of good stuff. Yes, please use the Walmart and exactly. film in there and make them all very happy that they found this wonderful haven of supply. Yeah, but, everything uh, you need. if it's going to be a big spot and they didn't brand it a Walmart, it's going to be burnt out and it's going to be full of zombies and basically well, crap. Yeah, it's going to be a big hole in the ground Death probably. Trap. With the odd thing, maybe they can scavenge. Right. Scavenge. Uh, more set photos of some sort of military location. Cool. So a bunch of tents, various military vehicles, jeeps, trucks, things like that. Interesting. Um, and I'm thinking, we know that Bob Stuckey has been cast. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking maybe this is where they run into him. Right. And he joins the uh, group. And they've only been filming the first three, maybe four episodes so far. So that kind of lines up with... Bob coming in early on in season four, if they're out and about and they come across some sort of military place, maybe Bob has been hanging out there getting drunk for a couple of months by himself, and now he's going to make some friends. At the Walmart. It, it or could big be. big spot. At the big spot. I think they're separate locations, though. Well, he could be, you know, scavenging the booze from the big spot, because wasn't he, didn't he do exactly that in the novel? Well, he got booze anywhere he could in the novels. Yeah. So. Anyway, uh, I see a parallel here. Yeah, absolutely. It could be they could be part of the same episode. Could be um, they could be right next door to each other for all right. we know, right? So I don't know, but I'm thinking Bob's going to be introduced early on, and if they're filming at some sort of military area, he's an ex-military guy, so maybe that's where he's been hanging out. Yep. <clears throat> and um, finally, we have one episode title. Oh, good. <laughs> and it's not for the premiere. And this is a fact. I believe so. This has been reported as fact. Season four, episode four is called Indifference. Oh. Tells us nothing <laughs> other than someone doesn't care about something. I feel kind of meh about that. Yeah, see? that's I think that's what they're going so for. So far, aptly titled. There you go. <laughs> Season 4, Episode 4, Indifference. Uh, okay, next um, next item here it relates to Season 4, I mean Episode 4 as well. And this is slightly spoilery. It involves a couple of casting announcements that they are may, have made. Okay. They are trying to cast two characters. Jack and Aaron. Uh, Aaron. Aaron with an E or Aaron with an A? Aaron with an E. It's female Aaron. Okay. And the description for Jack is extremely thin, early 20s, and a bit of a joker. And oh, he's extremely thin. Yes. I thought you meant the description was extremely thin. <laughs> no, he is extremely thin. Okay. Like, hasn't eaten in a long gotcha. time. Gotcha. Looks like a zombie, maybe. I'm right there with you. Uh, Aaron is happily unaware 
and similar to Jack in age and build. So we have a couple of skinny people, one who's a, a funny guy, and one who's a bit of a dumbass, it sounds like, right. and doesn't know what's going on. So we got a couple of heroin chic people going on here. Yeah. Now, it's a semi-big deal was made about this on the internet, these two characters being cast as new characters. Again, more new characters. I have a feeling that we might be meeting these characters and losing them in the same episode. Right. That's my feeling. You know, I, I can't see a, a a couple of, you know, goofy or happily unaware people coming in and being a big part of the show. Maybe they're Woodburyans that we're going to get introduced to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have a feeling, I'm just saying, that these two aren't going to last very long. If indeed they're, you know, they end up in the show at all. Okay. Any thoughts? Uh, Jack and Aaron? I don't know. I think we could use a little comic relief. Maybe they'll last a couple of episodes and then be killed off once we care about them. No, nah, this is going to be this is going to be a um, guys in the bar scenario. What were their names again? The guys that Rick killed yeah, in the yeah, bar last I season. I remember. They're going to come in. You're going you're gonna to think they're important. You're going to think that hey, look, this is they're they're representing a new group. Maybe we're going to meet some more people, and then they're going to be killed off in the same episode. I don't know. That's I don't. What, I don't think I'm that skeptical. No, I am. <laughs> yeah, Jack and Aaron. I have hopes. They have names, though. I have read that when a character has a name, that's a good sign for lasting. You know, lasting as well. A everybody has a name. Well, not necessarily. What was I? Uh, what was I? Oh, I was reading um, a long time ago. I read Bruce Campbell's bio- autobiography. Yeah, and I think it was that one, anyways. And he talks about you know characters. Um, if your character has a name, there's a better chance of your character having a bigger part than if it doesn't have a name. If you're cast as delivery man number two, right, probably not going to be a career making part. But if you're Dave, the delivery man, at least you've then got a personality, right? So. Okay. Jack well, and Aaron, they have names. So I, could I believe something. in Bruce Campbell. Uh, yeah. Well, why wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. The guy's, uh, he's, he's a superstar, that It's guy. Bruce Campbell. He, he will never steer you wrong. It makes sense. <laughs> okay. Next, I have a bunch of random quotes from various people involved in the show that I've pulled from interviews and articles and things like that. The first one is from Robert Kirkman, and he says... There's always going to be new locations and new places to discover and explore. I don't want to reveal too much. Season 4 is still five months away. But I will say that as we see at the end of Season 3, we're definitely going to start Season 4 at the prison. We may be there the whole season, or we may not be. But there are going to be some big differences from Season 3. Curtains, flower boxes. And uh, tomatoes growing in the Tomatoes, yeah. That's right. It's going to be nice. (laughs) Um, But he did confirm we're starting at the prison. That's good. Um, I don't think that's big news necessarily. I, I assumed that would happen. Uh, but you never know. I mean, you never know where sort of things might end up in that three to ten month break. Hopefully they uh, go to the other side of the prison and fix that hole in the intervening time. You would think that would be priority number one. Yeah. We will see. <clears throat> um, Robert Kirkman also said the dynamic between Rick and Carl is going to be a central focus of the season. And it is going to change in some startling and interesting ways. Fans are going to see a very different Rick, but one of his main goals is to manage this situation with Carl and see if he can bring him back from this darkness that's crept into him. 
So I think as we've speculated a little bit, we are going to get a season that really revolves around that father-son relationship. That could be good. In season four. Yeah, I think it's fine. I think it's a great idea. I mean, it's interesting TV. I yeah. hope it makes for interesting TV. Um, but, uh, it, you know, I, I also kind of thought they'd branch out a little bit, but it sounds like they're going to really focus on this. Or maybe they're going to be able to do both in some ways. Oh, they'll, yeah, they'll, this is going to be a central theme. There's going to be other themes and there's going to be other things going on, but this is just one of the central things. Yeah. Um, and then related to the governor, yeah, the governor is still very much in the mix. That's certainly not the last we'll see of him. When we see him again and where we see him again, that's the big question. It's not going to be like it was in season three. It's not going to be Rick and the governor on a collision course with a conflict between them. He'll be used in a very different way next season. Um, and Kirkman, again, in this article, uh, this was on IGN.com, he, he stressed how things are going to be radically different in season three. Love triangle? <laughs> Love triangle, eh? Yeah. Rick, the governor, and? Uh, Tyrese. And Tyrese. <laughs> Might be a little strange, but hey, why not? Love triangle. I yeah. Well, no, it's not going to be a love triangle, but it might be. Uh, there might be a little more buddy buddy. Well, the governor's in a very very different situation than he was in season three, right? Yeah. He's he's no longer the leader of a town that we know of. He's now a total crazy man, the leader of two guys, maybe, and if they're even still traveling with him, and unless he has you know, picked up and rebuilt somewhere, he's all alone now, which is a very different dynamic than trying to lead a group of people. I think he's going to be a, a, a lone mess. Like he's going to be all disheveled and living on the, in the wild and completely broken and crazy. Will he be effective then as a villain or will he just no. be useless? I think he'll be useless and he'll probably come begging and Rick will feel sorry for him. And, you know, uh, then he's going to try and maybe scheme a little bit to, do whatever the governor wants to do, but uh, mm. he's going to definitely be in a submissive position, and uh, Rick is going to be uh, very dominant. And that's, well, that's how he will gain Rick's trust, or yeah. fool Rick into taking him in. I don't, I don't know. I don't think, I think, uh, I think he's going to be a broken man, and I don't think, uh, he might try and scheme a little bit, but then again, he might just be, you know, trying to redeem himself. It might, the whole season might result in the governor's redemption. That would be something. Yeah. And that would be a change of pace, that's for sure. You know, I'll get, uh, you know, I'm a changed man, trust me, and then, you know, the whole Snape thing. If I know anything, what's the whole Snape thing? Oh, I don't know. If don't, I know don't anything. Don't get me started about uh, that's from Harry, Harry Potter. Harry Potter, yeah. okay. I haven't seen those. I don't want to spoil those books, so those people get mad when if, you spoil. If I know anything about TV, though, it's that people never change. If you <clears> can, you know, if you think a character is behaving in a way opposite to what they usually do, it's usually an act, or it's always an act. Well, and I think if the governor comes back and says, I'm a new man, I just want to help, I'm here to do my part, that's going to fall apart at some point, and he's going to turn into what he was. You know, you, you have a point there, and in the immortal words of Dr. Phil, the best indicator of future behavior is past behavior. I think that makes a lot of sense. That doesn't leave any that it does leave room for change though. It's just an indicator. The best indicator of future behavior is past behavior, but that doesn't necessarily mean that people can't change. No, but this is the governor we're talking about. I have a feeling he's always going to be the governor. It's going to be interesting whatever whatever happens. It will. And speaking of interesting, Andrew Lincoln was asked about a love interest for Rick. Everyone thinks 
Andrew Lincoln or Rick needs a new love interest on the show. Already? Oh, it's been, okay, we're going to go 10 months in the future here. Uh, Still. Eight months. It doesn't matter to me. I don't think there is a need for a love interest for every character on this show. We've already got uh, Glenn and Maggie hooked up, which is fine. That's great. I mean, you need a little bit of that. We got Daryl and Carol with an on-again, off-again sort of thing, flirtatious thing going on. Does every character need to pair up? I mean, this isn't Friends. This is The Walking Dead. No, but it is, uh, you know, survival and repopulate the earth kind of thing. Uh, maybe, but they're not at that point yet. Come on. To no, repopulate, they're... you need to be settled and solid, and we need to be on the up trajectory from, you know, the zombie outbreak. We're still on the down, I think. Here. Right. Okay. <laughs> More people dying than being born. Yeah, exactly. All right. But here's what he said. He said, I think that there has to be some kind of mourning time. I don't think he's able to engage at all on that level at the moment. I wouldn't rule it out, though. That's what he said. <laughs> So that's a lot of good information right there. No, not really. <laughs> um, but I, I guess you can tell. I don't think we need a love interest for Rick. I don't care who it is. Michonne, Beth, as some people think. Beth. I don't want any of that to happen. I just want Rick to be Rick for a while. And if a couple of years down the road, if, you know, we meet up with um, some some woman that we don't even know yet. Yeah, Beth is all kinds of wrong. Uh, yeah, well, she's 17 on the show. Her yeah, character's 17, so. And Rick is, you know, probably 40. <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever. It's not like whatever. You said, wrong. Re- repopulate <laughs> the earth, man. Zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Finally, David Alpert, a producer, had this to say Whatever you think is going to happen in season four, I guarantee we're going to surprise you. There's a broader, bigger world out there, and now that we've introduced the notion that there are more survivors out there, it's only going to get more and more interesting. Hmm. So it sounds like they're going to meet new people constantly here. Well, that's good. Not just Bob Stuckey and Jack and Aaron, uh, and then I guess maybe whoever the governor you know, runs into, but we might actually have a bigger community starting to form here. An outside world. Yeah, with planes flying and crashing and, yeah. and uh, military bases and stuff like that. Oh, you know what I just thought of? You know who Jack makes me think of a little bit? Is um, one of the characters from The Road to Woodbury. There was that stoner guy, Scott, they were traveling with for a little a little while. Yep. I wonder if maybe Jack is kind of a Scott character. Oh. And there was, there was um, Lily's friend in the book, too. Maybe that's Aaron. So maybe these people come with Bob. Maybe Bob be. is hanging out with Jack and Aaron. At the military uh, establishment. Exactly. I'm not going to say base. It's probably not a base. But if there's tents, it's an establishment. They've established something. Well, they are definitely there, Yeah, and they're not going anywhere right away. Right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that just occurred to me that maybe Jack and Aaron come with Bob, and it's uh, Scott and I forget her name from the book. Hmm. I don't know. Scott was a stoner, and so if he's a bit of a joker, that seems to line up right there, doesn't it? Good song, too, in there somewhere. Yeah, I think so. Okay, Norman Reedus has had a lot to say lately. He's been doing festivals and Comic-Cons and probably uh, ship christenings and things like that. Recently? Yeah. Well, Is yeah. he be busy? Well, he's, he's, he's busy. I mean, I hope he's busy. Hopefully he's like not in <laughs> most of the episodes. That would suck. Uh, but he was at Philadelphia Comic-Con, and he said... These scripts for season four are the best scripts we've ever gotten. The stories are so, so good. We're all very, very excited. <laughs> that, that sentence was longer than it needed to be by all the repetition of words, but yeah. that's what he said. Oh, and uh, I don't believe it for a second. 
What? You don't think it's the best scripts they've ever no, got? No, but he said that last year, and didn't he say that about the video game? Well, he said that about the video game, which you never brought me. You were supposed to bring oh, and, yeah. let me, and let me play. Okay. Um, and, and It's on my list. I'll write it down with my ballpoint pen. Thank you. We did have users tell us that they didn't hate the video game like you did. Uh, I disagree with those users. <laughs> listeners. Uh, listeners, not users. Yeah, you're not users of this podcast. We're not that good. Um, he also, Norman Reedus, revealed that they were just starting episode three, so by now they're on to number four, I think, because this was a couple of weeks ago. These are the best script we ever got. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. What if they are? What's he going to say? Well, he's, he's at a Comic-Con promoting the show. He's either going to say this or nothing. He's not going to say it's not that good. Like, yeah, uh, it's, it's okay. I mean, the the scripts are pretty good, and the directing is uh, it's not bad, but uh, I'm not there right now, and there's a reason for that. Well, here's what he went on to say in a Sirius XM interview. He said, the sets are crazy. So new sets, not just prison set. And he says, it feels like we've shot about three movies already. It's super intense, and everything's there for a reason, a specific reason. And it's great right now. <laughs> See, I, I love reading this stuff. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, know all, I know all those words individually, but put them together, and I'm skeptical. <laughs> and then he reiterates the scripts by saying, as far as the internal group, we're all the same people, but the structure of the writing's a bit different, and so it's intense. These are our best scripts yet. I I read the script, and I knew almost all the words. <laughs> yes, and it's the best thing ever. That's what he's saying. Um, I know, I know. What else is he going to say? But he seems very emphatic about... He does. He's his... very, uh, very excited. Yeah, it's exactly. And, you know, I believe the guy. He... Whether we get to season four and watch it and then think it sucks or not, I believe him when he says that he feels these are the best yet. The script can be fantastic, but it can all fall apart later in editing or something like that. Oh, right? yeah. So you never know. <clears throat> um, but we'll find out in sometime starting in October. Awesome. If these are the best scripts ever. They've shot movies already, he said. At least three. <laughs> At least three, yeah. Three episodes, three movies. And everything's there for a reason. I'm sorry, I don't mean to pick apart, pick it apart and make fun of it. But but it's so easy. <laughs> why would it not be there for a reason? Well, I've, I can think of movies where there's lots of stuff in there that serves no purpose. Like what? Uh, well, I just saw the Star Trek movie, and there was a little bit of that in there, even though I liked the Star Trek what movie quite a bit. What did you see that didn't need to be there or wasn't there for a reason? Um, lens flare? No, I didn't notice lens flare. Well, I don't want to get into it, but the whole bad guy's um, plan kind of didn't make like I, it, it felt inconsequential, and I guess it. I guess that's not the same as not being there for a reason. But it didn't make sense, and they they could have come up with something else. Now I pu- I turned my brain off, and I loved the movie. Okay, so anyway, we'll talk about this offline because there's going to be all kinds of spoilers in the next ten words that I'm about to say. So I'm not going to say them. No, don't say them. All right, there, we we I don't know. Maybe we can start another podcast. We can start a tr- Star Trek podcast. No thanks. Come on, man. We start from the beginning. We watch everything. <laughs> There's so much content. We start reading the books. Yeah, well... And then we get into fan fiction, um, and we make uniforms, <laughs> go to Comic-Con. So well, much here. We might do that anyway. <laughs> uh, yes, we could do that forever and ever, but there's something else we're going to be doing forever and ever, which we'll get to in a minute. First, though, Props Master, John Sanders. We've uh, seen videos of him before talking about the rubber weapons they have and things like that. Right. He did another video... I was talking about season four, and he was asked about new ways and new weapons to kill zombies. 
and he said, my favorite implement will be in this season. I've been waiting for two years trying to talk Greg Nicotero into doing this to a walker, and he saw it this year and just jumped on it. I can't really tell you what it is, but I can tell you it's going to be the craziest thing on the show yet. Uh, What I can say is that walkers are going to get killed in newer ways this year, uh, in newer ways this year than any other year before. That doesn't make any sense, but you know what he means. (laughs) So... (laughs) So there's a new. This is more different yeah. than how it was different last year. Exactly. <laughs> the point is, though, he's had this idea for a, a crazy way to kill a zombie, and he's talked Nicotero into it, and they're going to do it this season. I don't See, know if this it's I, this I one. believe, and this gets me excited. Yeah, there's going to be something just totally bizarre and out of left field that no one's going to see coming. See, because this is a prop master geeking out on prop stuff, yeah. getting excited about prop stuff, which gets me excited about prop stuff. Well, there you go. He's not an actor. He's not a director or a producer that has you know canned answers to everything. No. He's the props guy. He's like, we're doing something really cool. He's an excited prop geek. <laughs> there you go. And I'm on board. So we will be waiting for that. Maybe it will come in the first episode since Nicotero's directing it. That would be cool. I don't know, but Nicotero's there for every one of them. So you uh, never know. Hyundai. You know the car that they drive around? What car now? The green one? The lime green... Clean car? Clean Hyundai. They have expanded their sponsorship deal with The Walking Dead, or at least renewed it. So they're going to... One of the sets is a Hyundai dealership. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, no, they're going to they're gonna continue to do things even off-screen, like that zombie-killing Hyundai car that Kirkman right. yeah. uh, created last year. Um, but anyways, that that car is going to remain a part of the show and probably in pristine, clean condition. Um, on a Forbes.com uh, post about this, I read that they will be looking for new ways to expand their sponsorship with the show. So not just on screen, but also you know in, in other ways outside of the actual TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Shannon, the Hyundai of America CMO. Know what a CMO is? Chief Motorhead operator <laughs> every company needs one of those but oh, no yeah. he's, he's the chief marketing <laughs> marketing <officer>. right okay <laughs> got it Motorhead. <laughs> he said while we'd like to have them find a santa fe in the post-apocalyptic world on the show where there is no car production it's hard to imagine them doing that what's a santa fe that's another hyundai car so the one uh, uh the one that they drive around is a tucson uh, right a hyundai tucson and he's like we'd love to have them you know pick up more along the way like a santa fe but even he knows that it would be kind of silly if there were suddenly like a fleet of Hyundais or Hyundais all over the place. Right. Oh, Santa Fe looks like a nice car. I'm sure it is a nice car. Small, it's a minivan kind of thing. Well, there you like go. Like a sport utility, maybe. So they could use one of those, probably. Um, but I'm glad to hear that they're not just going to litter the landscape with Hyundai cars. Right. Unless they're all blown up and exploded. But. They might find a secret cache of Hyundai stickers that they'll use to... <laughs> Uh, repair on. the wings of the biplane. Oh, right. <laughs> and now it's a Hyundai Santa Fly. Yes, a Santa yes. Fly. Couldn't find any duct tape, so they used Hyundai stickers. Mm. See, this is like, you know, I should, maybe I should be a CMO. Come up with marketing opportunities like this. If uh, there are any companies out there that think this is a good idea, <laughs> give us a call, hire Jason. You can send your checks to. <laughs> <laughs> right. So anyways, more Hyundai, more, uh, you know, more more Hyundai all the time. I don't know. Um, okay, here's here's one that's going to be interesting. AMC Executive wants The Walking Dead to run for at least 10 more years. Nice. So <laughs> we won't have time. Planned. To do 
a Star Trek podcast, nor would I because, man, I've never been a Star Trek guy, but it's because we'll be sitting here until the year 2023 talking about this show well, that's, at, at this rate. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so at the, at the Barclays Global Technology Media and Telecommunications Conference in New York City, Josh Sapan, president and CEO of AMC Networks, said, we hope that zombies live forever. And we've just begun to find out what the post-apocalyptic world is like. So that we'll be sitting here at the Barclays Conference in 2022 discussing the fact that The Walking Dead is not over. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, what, what did we... I think last time we were talking about how many more seasons we'd get. Well, what did we say? We'd get maybe seven, eight seasons? Yeah, something like that. We could be going for 15. <laughs> That'd be awesome. It would be great, I hope. I mean, the show might might suffer after that much time. But here's the thing that I think... Few shows get anywhere near that without jumping the shark. Oh, very few. And I think the reason is actors typically don't sign on for 15-year contracts. They sign on for maybe two or three at a time, something like that, or maybe sort of the two or three with the options of maybe six or seven, right? Yeah. And after that, a lot of actors want to move on. And that's why you get cast changes happening all the time on longer-running shows. Right. For example, when David Duchovny left the X-Files and they had to bring in all new people, you know? Daggett? Doggett. Doggett? And I don't remember the woman's name. I got nothing. Um, I never watched that far. Oh, well, yeah, I'm surprised you even knew that uh, the Terminator was on it. What Terminator? <laughs> oh, that guy, yeah. The, uh, Daggett. Yeah. Doggett. He, he was played by the... Uh, yes, yes. The... Uh, T-1000 was... No, that was Arnold. That was Arnold. There was the... T-5000, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, whatever. The liquid metal guy. Yeah, the liquid metal guy. That was an awesome part. T-2 was a good movie. It was a good movie. Come on, Terminator 2. What do you mean, come on? I'm, I'm touting it. I think it's a great movie. Well, you said it that's was... an awesome part, as in the rest it, of it sucked. Yeah, no, I, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to imply that. A compliment does not imply an insult somewhere else. It, no, I it, liked him in that role. I liked that role. I oh, liked the character. No, and no. overall, I liked the movie. Okay. When you said part, I thought scene. Not, oh. not part he was playing. Oh, the part he played. Okay. I liked his part. There we I go. Think, sorry. Sorry for the confusion. Walking Dead, 10 more years if AMC president has his way. Yes. No Terminator. Uh, uh, with no Terminator. But so, I, I would welcome it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's great. I mean... Okay. Cast rollovers... Are completely believable in this scenario, like when uh, when you when uh, uh, Richie Cunningham and Ralph Malf go off to uh, you know they join the army and then they bring in uh, you know Arnold and uh, you know that kind of cast changes that's that's when the show kind of jumps the shark and in this case literally uh -huh. you know Fonzie jumped the shark and that was the whole that's know, where it came from I ball know. game yeah. Uh, that kind of cast change is kind of hard to believe because you fall in love with the characters, you uh, you know you have the, the the Cunningham family, and you have to change that in order to have the show change. Whereas in this situation, you could have a complete cast rollover, and it still be likable and a likable show and believable. Well, my feeling is that if they are going to do that, and there's a complete cast rollover, they have to do it slowly. Yes, bit by bit. And sure, if we go 15 seasons or more and, you know, we lose Glenn in season six and we lose Maggie in season nine and there's time for, you know, stories to be told related to those characters' deaths in yeah. some ways. You know, Maggie dealing with the death of Glenn and so on. 
And then we lose Rick in season 12 and uh, Herschel in season four, probably. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if it, it plays out over that time period and new people are coming in all along, it won't feel like we've got our group and then they're gone and then we're starting over again. Right. Look at, uh, look at some of the longer running shows. Uh, Law and Order, they had a complete rollover of the cast many times, but the structure stayed the, stayed the same and the show was a procedural and it wasn't entirely focused on the characters. But is, isn't it also not um, episodic in that it one episode right. it tells a, a story throughout? Right, and that's what I meant by procedural. It's right. just, uh, you know, each show has its formula and it has a beginning, middle, and end, and there's very little bleed over of the characters' lives from one to the other. It did, it did happen, mm-hmm. right? And they did have, uh, like, character deaths that did have meaning and character, characters leaving and characters coming. But you also look at, like, Coronation Street, I've you know, never watched Coronation Well, no, neither have I, but you recognize that it's a very, very long-running show. Yeah. They've had complete cast rollovers. People still love the show. Yeah. Is that a um, is that an everyday soap opera, like the daytime so. TV in the States? Yeah. So, see, then it's even easier. You have so many episodes that, I mean, there's a new one every day. I don't yeah. know how they crank those out. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but it, it when can it's, be done it can be done yeah i suppose but that's then there's true. things like the simpsons that's been running for 20 years and they've had very few cast changes doesn't doesn't count i think flanders wife died once it doesn't count it's <laughs> animated friends went how many years 12 11 i don't know something like that they didn't have any major character deaths and in fact they didn't have the cast rollover at all really it just sort of was the same core group the whole time yeah how many years was friends well, i'm taking a look here i'm looking at the wikipedia page all right well friends seasons 10 no, so it's not even as long as I thought. It's it's pretty rare for a live action, you know, ongoing story TV show to go that long. Yeah. So The Walking Dead could blaze new ground here. It could if it goes if it really does go this far. If you look at twenty four, which is the very definition of a serial, like without like it, it's exactly one story that plays out over a whole season. Yep. They've had almost a complete rollover. Now Kiefer Sutherland was the. Uh, you know, the core of the show when he was there from beginning to end. But they probably could have got away with... Uh, at, at one point, I thought that they were going to kill off Jack Bauer and bring in Katie Sackhoff to, to replace him. Cool. And I would have been on board with that. Exactly. Yeah. You know, but they, they canned the whole show instead, and I think they're making a movie or something. But uh, I think this can be done. I think that uh, if the show does run that long and the actors do want to move on, it's completely plausible in this scenario. And I think that... Uh, with the uh, with the right finesse, this could be a good thing. The finesse is key, and the it finesse is. will be doing it over a long period of time. Yeah. Um, that could be difficult, though, because of the way the actors' contracts are. They're probably all contracted to, say, let's say season five. Right. And then they all have to renegotiate if they're going to stay on. And uh, it's hard to do that. All right, so the moral is to do that. start killing them off right now. Start soon and start early. Yeah, start early, <laughs> kill early, and kill often. Well, related to The Walking Dead going on for so long, AMC put out some of their first quarter uh, numbers for 2013. And I thought I'd just run them down here because it's kind of interesting. So their earnings were up 43%, and that is due to substantially higher advertising sales. Right. Um, their share price climbed 5.7% to just over 68 bucks. Revenue jumped 17% to $382 million. That's in the first quarter of this year, as I said. And they recorded $61.5 million in profit, which was well above the previous quarter, or the previous year, the same quarter or in the, the previous, previous year, year yeah. of $43.2 million. 
And a lot of this apparently is attributed to The Walking Dead being the most popular show on TV, nice. the most popular cable TV show. And I guess that means they can just be like, well, we got The Walking Dead, so this is how much ads are costing now. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and, you know, Mad Men, Breaking Bad, they all do pretty well. They play their part. Um, they probably can charge more for ads during those shows, I think, due to the success of The Walking Dead. I don't know. I'm just making that up, blowing smoke in my that ass. But makes sense. It sounds right to me. That's solid bullshit. Solid, solid It could bullshit. be true. That's the definition of bullshit is that, you know, a lie is an out, outright known fabrication. Yes. Whereas bullshit could either be true or false. You really don't know. I'm saying it. it I'm saying it's true. It Yeah, very well could be. Anyways, the point is they're making money hand over fist and AMC ain't going anywhere. So everyone's going to be around for the next 10 to 15 years, including the zombies. Funnel that money into the show so that we have uh, quality entertainment. Well, seriously, people, like w w all we ever hear about is them cutting budgets and wanting to tighten the purse strings a little bit. They made, uh, what did I say? They made revenue of $382 million profit, $61.5 million. Right. I mean, they're no Apple. They're doing okay. Well, they got some money in the bank. Clearly. Yeah. So, <laughs> Clearly. you know, funnel some of that cash into The Walking Dead. Let's get our, uh, you know, our budgets up for that show and uh, maybe take some of the profits and uh, start picking up some more properties. Hey, and frankly, yeah, all their shows funnel some money into it. Make everything as good as they can. I know Mad Men's ending and Breaking Bad is ending, but... Um, we need something new. We got The Killing started up again. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm, yep. I'm, I'm excited to watch it. Good times. And they've got other shows, too, so... Bring Rubicon back. That yeah. thing had put me to sleep in 15 minutes. <laughs> I never watched it, but I... Uh, <laughs> Fell asleep probably, every episode. Probably won't, anyways. But I liked what I saw. It just put me to sleep is the only problem. Yeah, well, I'm not surprised it was canceled. I never That's, I never finished it. I only watched the first half of the Probably season. not their goal. <laughs> uh, all righty. Let's move on to the Season 3 Blu-ray and DVD release details. All right. It is coming out on August 27th. August 27th, end yes. of the summer. That's right. And from Anchor Bay's press release, it said, Available as a five-disc set in each format, the release contains all 16 episodes from the past season. Like the previous seasons, The Walking Dead, the complete third season comes stuffed with tons of bonus features, including exclusive behind-the-scenes footage, never-before-seen featurettes, audio commentaries from cast and crew, deleted scenes, and other surprises. Ooh, a surprise. So more or less the same as previous seasons. Yeah. Um, it also, in addition to Blu-ray and DVD, comes in a limited edition zombie head tank package. Right. Which you've probably seen online. It's zombie head tank? Well, they, uh, they it's... had a zombie head last year. No, no, no. This is the, the zombie heads in fish tanks. Oh. Zombie head fish tank packaging. Um, specially created once again by McFarland Toys. Nice. So you know that's going to be pretty cool. The Blu-ray is going for $79.99, the DVD for $69.99. And the special edition will be priced at one forty nine ninety nine. Well, that's pretty. Yeah, it does look pretty cool. I wouldn't mind getting a uh, getting one of yeah. those bad boys. I might buy that and put that in a closet because I won't be allowed to have it out. <laughs> that's my that's my problem with the last year with the um, zombie screwdriver head packaging. Yeah. I'd totally love to have that, except it would frighten my children. Yeah. So where was what do I? That's lovely, Jason. You can't have that on your shelf. Yeah, that's that's nice <laughs> and all, but put it away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So there you go, season three Blu-ray coming on August 27th. Pick it up and uh, let us know what you think of the special features and surprises. Pick it up and put it away. Well, if you buy it, watch it. <laughs> well, yeah, put the box away. Yeah. 
Um, okay, a company called Aristocrat has licensed The Walking Dead um, for uh, something new. <laughs> cake? No. Why do you say cake? Well, because, you know, uh, Robert Kirkman. He's done everything he's else? He's done everything else, and I figured that zombie cakes were coming. Well, this one is uh, people make their own zombie cakes, but no, this is not cakes. This is gambling machines. Oh, perfect. Based on AMC's series, Aristocrats, The Walking Dead slot machine game, grabs players and puts them right in the middle of the show's gritty post-apocalyptic world False. with a chance to escape with some major jackpots. True. Arist- for the casino. Yep. Aristocrat is bringing AMC's series to its hard-winning, to its <laughs> award-winning Verve HD cabinet, where video clips and images from the show will come to life with stunning HD video, HD video and sound. I'm starting to lose my ability to read. There's a lot of words in there. Um, so, just when you <clears throat> thought The Walking Dead couldn't appear in any other medium, we are now getting uh, gambling machines. Nice. Slot machines. I enjoyed slot machines a few times I've uh, pulled the lever or I, pressed the button. I, I have never done it. Really? You know, I've never visited a casino. Not even like I've been outside casinos. I've never really gone in one though. You've never gone inside a casino. You've never put uh, uh, cash into a slot machine or a, a video gaming machine and well, pushed a button to say, and it goes blue, 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 plays a little music, and then when it win, it goes bee dee 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 dee. No, I have played video games in arcades many times, but I've never gambled in a casino. We never, should never done that. The last time uh, Jenny and I gambled, it was on our second winning, wedding anniversary. We went to Niagara Falls and we went into the casino, and uh, we played slot machines exclusively. We walked out of there five hours later, seventy dollars up, seventy bucks in five hours. Did you sit there beside each other and not talk and just pull the lever? No, we had fun. We jumped from machine to machine, and when we were up, we cashed out. Well, that's a, that's the smart way to do it. Yeah, and then when whenever you cash out, you put that slip in your pocket, and you put a fresh twenty in the next machine. If you lose it, you walk away, and you put another twenty in. If you're if you're up again, you cash out. You put the slip in your pocket. At the end of the night, you convert those slips into cold hard cash. And get the hell out of there. Well, that's the way to do it, man. If only it you could do fun. that every day for a living. Well, I, I'm not crazy. <laughs> the house always wins. It does. But uh, I'm not above taking uh, 70 bucks away from them for uh, an evening's entertainment. No, not at all. Well, I've never done that, but uh, now if I ever do, I might run into a Walking Dead Well, if it machine. comes to Niagara Falls or any kind of fabled Toronto casino, that uh, is probably not happening. Yeah, we I almost would, got a casino, but I don't think we are. I would, uh, I would follow this machine. I would go play this game somewhere that uh, it was available to play. All right. We're making that statement right here, right now. I'll go with you. If this machine is within, you know, a couple hours driving distance of us, yeah, we'll go do it. Niagara, you know, there's uh, Woodbine slots now. They have a small slot machine area, I think. Interesting. Okay. They're, so, not, they're not in Toronto. That's why they can do that? Uh, well, they're, it's an expansion of the racetrack, right? Oh, I guess if you're already at a racetrack. Yeah. Might as well have slot this machines. This is a gambling establishment, right, so they, okay. I don't think it's a full casino, but I think there's slot machines. Okay, well, that's not important. If they get one of these Walking Dead machines, we're totally gone. All right, does this, uh, the website for this company offer these can be played at that I That I don't know. I did not visit Aristocrat's website. So, because so, I don't want to have to troll you know, casinos from now until <laughs> next October to try and find this game, right? <laughs> yeah, that would dump. We're not doing that. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> okay, finally, in the news this week. If you see one, let us know. Oh, okay. There you go. If you see one and you're in southern Ontario. If you see one anywhere, let us know. Oh, and let us know how, how it is if you try it out. Yeah. 
I want to know. It does sound interesting with these, you know, HD video and sound and stuff. It's not just a slot machine. This is some sort of like put your head in a under a sheet play no, a game. It's a video gaming machine. They're all HD sound. Oh, right. They're loud with good quality video. As you can see, I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, you got to go to a casino. Well, first I'm going to tell you what the last item in the news is. All right, please. Telltale. Remember them? I do. They put out the Walking Dead video game, the uh, award-winning Walking Dead video game. I am aware. Uh, the only one that won any awards. And um, it sounds like there is some Walking Dead downloadable content coming for that game. Oh, cool. And this is not uh, season, season two. two. This is some DLC for season one. Um, now, earlier this year, one of the series' writers said there may very well be more Walking Dead from Telltale before Season 2. We didn't really know what that meant at the time, but now it looks like we're going to get some Walking Dead called 400 Days. That showed up in the game's entry on Steam, apparently. Uh And uh, there are four clips apparently listed, or four downloads, I guess. One called Day 2, Day 220, Day 184, and Day 236. And apparently each one featured a photo pinned on a missing board, like, you know, missing people. Yep. And the names are Vince, Shell, Russell, and Bonnie. So I think what we're going to get here is four mini-episodes from season one, each focusing on a new character, probably playing a small sort of contained little mini-story. Right. And that's great, I think. That's cool. This game was amazing. Uh, by the end, I really liked it. Yeah. And uh, it's, it'll be fun to play a little bit more. That'd be fun. Um, they released a bunch of Vine videos with these little mini clips, too. And I think someone put them all together, and we got the whole missing board. And that's where the names of the characters came right, from. Right, right, right. So that is exciting. Um, I guess these are new characters, and we'll get a new little mini storyline before Season 2 comes out. Speaking of Season 2, there's no real news on that. But I would imagine we're probably still like fall 2014 for that. It's not going to come out this fall. You don't think don't so? Think. Why not? Well, I don't know. Doesn't it take... I mean, I guess because it's not... They're not starting from, like, nothing, but... If they use the same engine... Yeah. What, do they, do they just need to draw all the new graphics and write a story? I don't know. And... <laughs> it's the same engine. It's probably not... I, what do I know from video games? You play them. That's I, it. Yeah. And I know that they use engines yeah. <laughs> to make you. things easier. There you go. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe we'll get season two this October, but... Uh, I'm thinking at least maybe spring next year. Right. We'll see. All right, and that is the end of our epic news segment this week. Mm-hmm. We are going to take a quick break to thank our sponsor. And when we come back, we're going to do our Walking Dead actor spotlight on Denai Guerrera. So make sure you don't go anywhere for that. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay tuned. Well, no one told me about her, the way she
for you, the listeners of The Talking Dead, Audible is offering a free audiobook download and a three 30-day trial so you can check out their service. I'm going to recommend a book this week that I just finished listening to that I think everyone will be really uh, interested in who listens to us, and it's called The Martian. The Martian. Yes, by Andy Weir, narrated by R.C. Bray. And I have a couple of things to say. First of all, the book, the premise of the book is that humans have sent a number of missions to Mars. One of them goes wrong, and one of the astronauts ends up getting stranded there by himself. And this is an account of his uh, tale of survival on Mars by himself. It's a fantastic book, and R.C. Bray, who narrates it, does a really good job. It's probably my favorite read book that I've listened to so far. I like the initials R.C., yeah, R.C. Bray. Remote control Bray. <laughs> See, it's perfect. <laughs> um, he does a great job. He really, you know, he really sells it. He does slightly different voices for all the characters. That's and I just, I just really like his performance on this. The story itself is fantastic. It's a lot of, it's very sciencey. There's a lot of descriptions of what the main character is doing to survive and how he can use the equipment he has to, you know, increase his chances of surviving. And uh, it's just it's just really good and fascinating. And in fact, it's a bit of a comedy in some places. There are some definitely some funny things in this book, which you might not expect in a book about a guy stranded on a planet, you know, by himself that's not Earth. <laughs> you should uh, check out a movie from 1964 called Robinson Crusoe on Mars. It's this is what this is kind of. It's Robinson Crusoe on Mars, but updated and uh, on available on Audible. Stranded on Mars with only a monkey as a companion, an astronaut must figure out how to find oxygen, water, and food on the lifeless planet. Yeah, that's not this book, but uh, <laughs> this one is called The Martian by Andy Weir. comes in at 10 hours and 28 minutes. I highly recommend you give it a chance. And if you want to do that, head over to audibletrial.com slash talkingdead. That's audibletrial.com slash talkingdead to grab a copy of The Martian for free and a free 30-day trial. Uh, I don't think you'll regret it. Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's time to do uh, Walking Dead Actor Spotlight. We haven't done one of these in a long, long time, but it's one way we fill the gap between seasons in the summer. And the first one this summer is on Denai Guerrera, mm -hmm. who plays Michonne, of course, on the show. True. Now, we watched four uh, selections from her back catalog. The Visitor uh, from 2007, a movie called Restless City from 2011, My Soul to Take from 2010, and Treme Season 1, Episode 4, which was called At the Foot of Canal Street. Right. And we got a total of about 
four minutes of Denai Guerrera on screen, and all four of those. Uh, it was longer than that, but no, that's not true. I thought we actually in in fifty percent of these she had a had a, a decent part. Yeah, and let's start with the visitor. Okay, so the visitor, two thousand seven movie starring Richard Jenkins, Denai Guerrera, and another guy. Um, the basic plot is Richard Jenkins goes to an apartment he owns in the city, which he hasn't been to in a while. Yep. And he encounters a couple of people living there. Yes. Denai Guerrera and her boyfriend. Um, at first it's a little bit weird, but they end up striking up a friendship and, uh, getting to know one another. Um, had you watched this movie before we decided to, uh, do it here? No. Neither had I, but I've been meaning to for a long time. Me too. Because, uh, you know, I like Richard Jenkins a lot. Sounded, I heard it was a great movie. And, you know, this was even before I knew who Denai Guerrero was. My wife watched this. And I remember, I didn't even know Denai Guerrero was in this. And she was watching it. And I came down and said, hey, that's Michonne. There she is. And then I went back upstairs because I was working or something. All right. Well, what's your general thoughts on this movie? And what do you think uh, about Denai's performance in this film? Uh, I like them both. I like this movie very much. I thought this was a fantastic, uh, a fantastic movie. I thought Richard Jenkins did a great job. Uh, I enjoyed, uh, like, it was a character study essentially. Uh, I enjoyed the movie, and I liked Denai Guerrero's performance. I thought she was great in this as well. She was. Um, she plays an immigrant living in New York City. Yep. And uh, you know, she doesn't speak English all that well, right? Her English, she speaks broken English in the in the movie. So yep. she uh, was she from Senegal. I think it was Senegal, yeah. Or, you know what? No, that, they might be confusing that, that with the other one. That was in Restless City, yeah. But she was from, you know, not America. And uh, so she had to do a good accent. She <clears> had <throat> to, you know, speak sort of broken English, which I don't know if that's hard for an actor to do, but she did. I thought she did a great job. Completely believable. Yep. And um, the story plays out with uh, without giving, you know, too much away, but these people are here illegally in the United States, and something goes wrong, and one of them gets, you know, taken into custody. And uh, you're right, Richard Jenkins was really good in this. He was sort of understated in everything he did, you know. He was living a, a sort of a quiet life by himself, and then these two people were thrust upon him, and he kind of had to adapt himself to that. And I thought, yeah. yeah, I think I think he did a really really nice job portraying a guy who just kind of wanted to stay out of everyone's way, not really do much. You know, he's a university professor who is kind of phoning it in, uh, and you know, all of this. He was phoning in his whole life. He was phoning in his whole life. Yeah, in fact, he was a visitor in his own life. Yes, <laughs> um, the visitor. You know, the title of this movie was was apt in a lot of different was, ways. Yeah. A lot of different ways. Um, but I think that I did a really nice job. She was, um, she had a bigger part at the beginning of the movie. I felt she kind of fell off a little bit towards the end, uh, or at least didn't appear quite as much in the end. Um, and then there was a character introduced at the end, which I was kind of lukewarm on. I, I understand why they, you know, brought this character. Well, they in. needed to do that. I, I, I think so. But, in some ways, I almost wish they would have just focused on the three main characters that they had from the beginning. Right. Really. Richard well, I can Jenkins see that. and Denai and her boyfriend. So, um, but but really good. I highly recommend this this film, and uh, it'll leave you it'll leave you thinking too. Mm-hmm. A, a, a big undercurrent of, of music in this movie too. It was because his uh, yeah. I don't want to give too much away, but uh, his wife was a musician, and he was trying to capture that back at the beginning of the movie. And uh, he did have an interest in music, and this movie took that interest in another direction, which was nice. 
Yeah, it, it did. I mean, it's not really a spoiler to give away that he was trying to learn the piano and it wasn't going very well. And he then... wasn't really trying to learn the piano, though. His wife was a piano teacher. So he was taking piano lessons from various different teachers trying to capture the relationship he had with his wife. Well, I think he... Um... With the with the teachers, yeah, he was trying. He was just like he said, yeah, or after the first lesson from the teacher at the beginning of the movie, she said, "This is, uh, I'm not. How many teachers did you have before me? Four. Yeah, right. So I think it had it very much had to do with his wife being a piano teacher and not him wanting to learn the piano. Well, yeah, absolutely. But I think he was trying to learn the. You're right. He was learning the piano to bring that back into his life. I yeah. don't think he was trying to necessarily. Connect with the teachers as a replacement. No, for his no, wife. but he he was trying to connect with his wife. Yeah, exactly. Who was dead and yeah was a piano teacher. Uh, but then he meets these other two people and they introduce a completely new world of music to him. Yeah, and um, there's a scene where you know he's he's learning this this new instrument and he ends up playing it amongst a group of other people, essentially jamming with them. Yeah, and uh, you know he starts out all tentative and nervous and slow. And then gets into it, and uh, I thought it was a really, really, um, a really great scene. It I was guess. a fantastic scene, and I really liked the fact that they had uh, the scene. The shot was set up so that we had spectators on the left and the performers on the right, uh-huh. right? And they had the these were two very distinct groups, and even uh, divided by uh, you know social stereotypes as well, mm-hmm. right? As in uh, in many other ways, uh, but and he crossed that line in this scene. He picked up his drum and went from spectator to performer, yeah. from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen. It was fant- it was a fantastic shot, and the uh, the imagery was great. It was good. I, I like this. I recommend this movie. I wish you know it's. I wish I'd seen it sooner. Really, um, deny though. Not really like Michonne in any way. No, not at all. <laughs> Completely different hair. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, she seems to like the short haircuts. When she's not playing Michonne, or at least you know playing Michonne, she's got the giant wig on. So yeah, <laughs> I guess it's a different thing. Uh, all right, Restless City from 2011. Yeah, this movie um, is probably not one I would have ever watched or likely heard of if we were not spotlighting Denai here. True, and I ended up uh, there were things about this fo- movie I ended up really liking. Or really, yeah. Absolutely. I th- uh, And there were things about it that I didn't quite buy into. I think this movie looked really good. It was really stylish in terms of cinematography. The music, I thought, was very, very cool. It was just a little light on story. It was a little—it was heavy on imagery, heavy on atmosphere, light on plot. Exactly. And that's fine. The imagery and the atmosphere, I thought, was really good. I thought it was— uh, um, it, it really portrayed sort of the feeling of these characters in, you know, uh, I think Harlem in New York. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but you're right, not a lot happened, which was kind of an issue. One of the things I really liked about this movie, and it had to do with the imagery and the cinematography, is the use of reflection. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, uh, that was really well done. There was a lot of scenes that included very interesting reflection. Yeah, reflection, sort of um, ambient type lighting, you know, or they'd, They'd let a lot of sunlight in, so things seemed all like it was glowing a little bit. You know, a lot of that kind of stuff. I loved some of the slow-mo stuff of the guy riding his scooter around. Yeah. Um, And there was a lot... Did you notice there was a lot of shots of feet? There was a lot of shots of um, one of the characters, one of the female characters' feet in her heels walking around in red shoes, I think. And the scooter was red, and then you see 
our main characters, the guy the movie follows, um, I can't remember his name, but uh, you see his feet a lot, even if it's the feet on the scooter. I don't know why I liked it so much, but I thought it was really, really neat and sort of well done. And I guess because it just portrayed the feeling of the the neighborhood they were in, yeah. um, even though the story, like we've said, was was sort of slow. Yeah, you know, it's funny. It, it was to a point where even when characters were talking, it felt like there were weird long pauses in the conversation as if they felt, my God, we got to draw this out a little bit, you know, (laughs) you know, before this guy says anything, he's going to stand there and look at the other character for a while and then say two words. Right. You know, um, but I get the feeling it wasn't really your cup of tea. It wasn't my cup of tea. I mean, uh, I did like the imagery. I did like the, uh, I thought the pacing was very deliberate. And uh, I. it's just, it's the kind of movie that I have to be in a mood for. Mm-hmm. And I very rarely get in that mood. Right. And usually I'm ill when I'm in that <laughs> mood. It's really kind of hard to say. Like when I'm sick, I'll watch weird documentaries. Sure. And this is the kind of thing that would be completely up my alley. When I have the flu. Although not a documentary. It's not a documentary, no. But it definitely would be something that I would probably check out if I had the flu. For some reason, I don't know, I get in weird cinematic mood when when I'm sick. All right. But uh, I was not in the mood for this movie when I watched it. Well... And that's a problem. Of course. I think I I liked it more than I I thought I would, although I didn't really know much about it going in. Um, But it did have its issues. Now... Our basic story is that again another music kind of movie. A lot of music in this in this film. Uh, the basic story is the main character is trying to become a musician. He's a singer. He wants to record something. He falls in love with a girl, and you know stuff happens. Um, that can be problematic, uh, as we all know. Falling in love with a girl. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Bad at the things, best of times. Bad things can happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or good things can happen. I yeah. should I should say that. Usually both. Usually both. <laughs> um, Denai Guerrera plays uh, a hairdresser. Cece. Cece. And she's kind of like the wise old Jedi character in this. Yeah. She's the character that some people go to for advice. Ba- mainly the female protagonist in the film. Right. You know, goes to ask Cece what she should do, tell her about her problems, things like that. And Cece doles out the wisdom. Um, small part, a small part, but, uh, at least she was in it. It was pivotal. Like Five it was or a six pivotal scenes. And it we was... only had one shot of her face from the front. That's true. Actually. She was shot from every other angle. She was, we saw her from the back. We saw her from the side. We saw her walking from one side of the screen to the other. We only got one single shot of her full face and to the camera. We got a lot of her speaking while the camera was focused on other people. Yes. Too. Heard we, the voice. I'm like, oh, there she is. All waiting anticipatory for her to be on screen. Oh, it changed. Yeah. But I think it's an interesting stylistic choice, too, because you're seeing, you're seeing the reaction of the person she's giving the advice to yeah. or giving the wisdom to in this in this case. And I think it kind of works um uh but uh but yeah i think i think she did a good job doing a voiceover (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's pretty much it it wasn't really a voiceover but anyways uh again nothing like michonne um uh, this movie or the visitor you know nothing really like michonne at all but that's okay deny is a okay is a uh a varied actress she can do a lot of different things 
So Restless City, I say if you're into cinematography and mood and style and ambience, you might, and, and maybe music, there's some cool music in this, I say check this out. Jason wasn't in the mood. Uh, well, no. <laughs> that happens. It's fine. It happens. Um, it took me like a whole season to get in the mood for Battlestar Galactica when I started watching it. Yeah. It take, takes a while sometimes. Maybe I need to watch this movie 10 times in a row. You should try and that. And then I would be on board. You should try that. Okay, next on our list is My Soul to Take. Yes, it is. A 2010 horror-ish movie, teenage horror flick. Um, I have an email here from Emily in Chicago, and she says... I don't remember who she played in the movie, but I saw it when it was in theaters, and it is a horrible movie. It's a combination of a really bad teen-slash-high school movie and a really bad horror movie. Being a Wes Craven movie, I had kind of high hopes for it, as I'm a big fan of A Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream, but my hopes and dreams plummeted within the first 20 minutes. Just wanted to give you a warning of the torture you might have to endure in your movie-watching endeavors, but uh, let me know what you think. Her description is accurate. It is. This movie was not good. I didn't even know it was a Wes Craven movie until the end when it said directed by Wes Craven. I was like, oh, Wes, you can do better than that. And he has many, many times. Yes, that was disappointing for Mr. Craven. It was. This movie was really, really dumb. Um, The idea here is that a crazy guy who killed people... um, was was apprehended some years before, but on the way to the jail or wherever the hospital, I think, because he was injured, he uh, his hospital crash. His hospital, hospital crash. The hospital. They crashed, crashed the whole hospital. <laughs> his ambulance crashed, and he gets away. But they're not sure. They think he's like you know the spirit living in the lake. Yeah. And so a he bunch had of, multiple souls. Yes, he had multiple souls. Now a bunch of kids were born that day, so we're sixteen years later. They're all teenagers in high school. And the idea is one of the souls is in each kid, right? That's right, yeah. Um, Stuff happens, killer comes back, you know, teenagers will be teenagers, movie's dumb. Movie is dumb. (laughs) Movie's very dumb. Uh, So the only redeeming quality of this movie, and it did have one single lone redeeming quality in my mind. I would like to hear what that is. The main character of the movie... Uh, I forget the actor's name now. Max Therot. Therot. Therot played Bug. He uh, he is in the new uh, Bates Motel. Oh, which I haven't watched. TV my, show. My wife has said she has no interest in watching it. I'm like, come on. Jason said it was good. It's good. Okay. It's uh, very good. I may watch it. You need to watch it. You need to make her sit down and watch it because it's good. Okay. It's not about, you know, uh, it's not about the movie. It's not even. Uh, it's it's not even about the remake of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's a very it's a very good TV show, and it's mainly uh, the mother. Yeah, uh, she does a fantastic job. Job and the the kid who was in Finding Neverland, he yep. was the young kid in Finding Neverland. He does a fantastic job of uh, of playing that character, and then they add in this guy that was in uh, My Soul to Take as a brother. My Soul to Take guy was also in the Astronaut Farmer. Um... And uh, Jumper. You saw Jumper. I saw Jumper. Anyhow. Um, that was a dumb movie, too. Yeah, but... That's not, you know, great credits, but uh, Bates so, Motel, yes. Okay, so I made some notes here about my soul to take, and some of these are just uh, lines of dialogue that I thought were awful, cool. <laughs> awesomely bad. Um, for example, there's a, there's a lot of religious stuff in this movie. There's at least one character who's extremely religious, and she says, if things get too hot, 
turn on the prayer conditioning. Oh, yeah, that was a good line. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I'm totally bringing that into my regular lexicon. And uh, this one is a little bit rude for our uh, normal standards on this show. Uh, but some character says, my unborn child, fuck your fucking unborn child. I'm like, that's just unnecessary, isn't it? It is. I don't know. Um, what else? Uh, oh, I didn't expect that the pretty blonde girl would be killed in the movie, but spoiler, she is. Well, pretty yeah. blonde girls usually survive. They do. Unless they're killed right at the beginning. Which she was. And maybe that's what uh, Wes Craven was going for here, because gonna shake things he, up. he he killed Drew Barrymore at the beginning of one of the Scream movies. Yeah. Scream. Oh, um, spoiler. Yeah, sorry. I've never seen those. Really? Yeah. you got to watch the Scream, at least the first one or two. I don't know. They're, they're, they're pretty good. Scream is, Scream is fun. Okay. Um, what else? Um, yeah, I won't, I won't give it away, the rest of it, but uh, it's, it sucks. This movie was crap. Now, Denai Guerrero, she played a police officer. EMT. EMT, you're right, uh, who, was, uh, who had a couple of small parts, I mean, a couple of small scenes. Yeah. She was at the beginning when they were originally apprehending the multi-soul killer. And she set up the whole show. Uh, she did because she said that the uh, you know in in her country they don't say that people have multiple personalities they say they have multiple souls right she defined which, the whole thing that yeah that set the definition for the whole movie and then you think she's killed at the beginning but spoiler she's not no I knew she wasn't she's be killed she's still well I thought that might be her only scene I'm like oh I gotta watch this whole thing and she's only in the first five minutes <laughs> yeah uh, but she's in it later, she does come back when the kids, you know, when the murders start happening again. Yeah. She's still around. Um, the one thing I will say about this is the opening part before the opening credits, the cold open for the movie, yeah. actually wasn't terrible. And I was thinking to myself after watching it, if that was just a short film by itself where we're introduced to this killer, he does some bad things, he's apprehended, there's a big police thing... And then the ambulance crashes, and he maybe escapes, and then they leave it. Short film. I'm like, that would have been okay. Yeah. As as soon as they cut to the fact that there's a bunch of kids around the burnt-out ambulance that's still there. I know. Why would the ambulance not have been moved and cleaned up? Uh, you know, with candles and wreaths or whatever all the way around it, and them celebrating. You know, yeah. every year we come back here. There's 16. Like, how many years have they been doing this? Maybe two. One? <laughs> One, yeah. <laughs> that's right. I'm not going to let my... 14-year-old go wander around in the forest yeah. in the middle of the it's night? It's their birthday. It's midnight. They're 14. You know, go to the lake. Why not? What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> That's the site of a murder and a, you know, <laughs> multiple deaths. Why not? Have fun, kids. Good times. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess the ambulance was kind of like a memorial yeah. to, you know, what happened there. But still stupid and then oh there was so much exposition to set things up like they had to explain you know 16 years ago there was this guy and then we all had birthdays on the same day and then you know if you say whatever six times he might come out of the lake they say he lives under the bridge just like oh my god how much description do you need to have to set up something <laughs> well that happened throughout the movie oh though. yeah even towards oh, the end oh my god even towards the end when things are supposed to be then you, things are being revealed to the audience yeah. and so on it was all revealed through pretty much through people talking there yeah. was some action and some you know scariness but yeah this was, was not a good movie no <laughs> poor Wes Craven yeah <laughs> uh all right can't say we recommend that one 
Finally, season one, episode four of Treme at the foot of Canal Street. Did you start from the first episode like you said you might? Did not. So you just watched this one? Correct. As did I. Did this episode make you want to start at the first episode and watch the series? Uh, You know, I've been interested in watching Treme for a while now, a few years, uh, because I think my wife watched uh, the first most of the first season, yeah. and uh, my father-in-law watched it, and they both liked it. They liked the music in it. They thought it was uh, was good, and it's always been something I wanted to check out. So now that uh, I watched uh, this episode, and it's the fourth episode, so you're kind of jumping midstream into a few storylines and stuff, uh, this made me uh, made up my mind definitely not to watch this show. Interesting. So you really didn't like it? I, I did not like it. I will not watch Treme. I've, it's, it's been decided. I am not interested. I would suggest that you need to give it a slightly larger chance than just one episode in the middle. However, I'm kind of with you. I, I I liked it. At the beginning, I, I enjoyed it. The first part of the episode, I enjoyed it. But then Steve Zahn came along, and I just found him annoying. A little bit. Um, and uh, by the end of it, I was like, eh, I don't think I really need to see any more of this. The premise here is that it's uh, New Orleans post-Katrina. Yep. People are trying to rebuild their lives and their houses in some cases. And, um, uh, you know, that's essentially what's going on. John Goodman is in there. I love John Goodman. He was good in this. I really like John No, he was a dick. But again, you only know you don't know what he's really doing. No, I don't know what he's really doing, but I did not enjoy his character from what I saw. Well, he was angry about the lack of help that the city was getting after yes. the natural natural disaster. And it, you know, yeah. So uh, anyway, I don't want to get. Too I think much there are that. probably lots of people, you know, in that part of the United States that feel that way. Oh, and absolutely. And so, you know, he's his character is not. It's not an unjustified character. He's he's there representing all those people that are really disillusioned with the US government well, after what got, happened there. Yeah, and I got the I got the feeling that he's the moral center of the story, right? Well, I guess. Yeah, if that's if you agree with his, you know, take on it all, right, his which, morality. Yes. So I just I think that he's the uh, the essence of uh, you know, that area after Katrina, Katrina. And it's going to be, you know, fuck you, Chicago, fuck you, New York. Right. Uh, you know, you got money after the Great Fire. You rebuild, you know, where what's happening here, you know. Uh, so, no, I did not enjoy, and I, I don't enjoy that kind of anger, mm. really. You're just not an angry sort of guy. I just, not an, I just don't feel like watching angst and anger and uh, annoyance. Yeah. I did like the, the other... Uh, main character I, again i'm not good with the name but uh he was the one who was going to visit his sons yeah he was singing at the beginning he started waiting for a doctor in the yeah. hospital uh, or in the doctor's office there he was in the wire yeah he well and one of the guys who makes this show was one of the wire creators right. too um i haven't seen the wire either but uh i liked that character i thought he might be an interesting character to watch a little bit more of um again a, a big, strong musical theme yes. in this. Yep. My Soul to Take was really the only thing we watched that didn't have this music vein running through it. Um, a lot of the characters in Treme are musicians yep. trying to you know, struggle out a bit of a life. Um, one of the characters is actually in New York City as a musician trying to make a career out of it. Or or is making a career out of it? I think is uh, I think they set it up as he was from New Orleans, right? But he's not 
of New Orleans. That's what he said. He he's from there, but he's now living in New York as a working musician, I think. Right. And he doesn't want to use that uh, you know, Katrina as right. a jumping off point or a uh, you know, the the part of the point of his career. Right. And they were talking about him doing a tour and his girlfriend is played by Denai Guerrero. Right. Um so she didn't have a lot of scenes in this. She had a couple. She's sort of a New York socialite type person it seemed like she hung out at parties things like that very glamorous um those two characters i found probably the most interesting in in the episode actually denai guerrero's character was the one character in this whole show that i really liked yeah her and well the interaction with this other guy her her boyfriend i i enjoyed that and if the show was about them in new york or maybe touring or whatever that would be fine but the show's not about that, I don't think. It's no. really, really about New Orleans and the and the Katrina disaster. Yeah. Um But this was uh I was gonna say this is the only thing we watched where she used her natural accent, but that's probably not true. I think in my soul to take she spoke with her uh, Yeah, I don't think she had an accent. I don't think so. She didn't have very many lines, so it was hard to tell, but uh Yeah. No, her character was uh was likable, was charming, affable and uh funny. Funny and uh, a delight, which was very not Michonne, right? Yeah, that's so right. <laughs> it was, uh, and I thought she did a fantastic job of that. I thought I really liked this character, and I liked this side of her, and I'd like to see more, uh, more of her doing this kind of role. Except she's future. too she's stuck in the zombie apocalypse. Now. Well, no, not as Michonne. Yeah, <laughs> but I'd like to see her in other stuff doing this kind of role because I don't think Michonne could transform into this. No, that's not who Michonne is. No, not even not even a little bit. But yeah. it was nice to see her doing something something different for yeah. sure. Um, I would have liked out of the, all four of these, I w- would have liked to have seen more of her in any of these movies. Uh, maybe I, I think she did just fine in The Visitor, and I think the role in Restless City was a little bit weird, but she did okay. Uh, my soul to take, she was barely in, and this she was barely in, but it was probably the most traditional character or yeah. or most regular character, for lack of a better word. Right. Um, but yeah, I could have seen her, you know, do more in in any of these really, except for my soul to take. I didn't want to see any more of that. Well, no, not adding on, but in replacement to maybe or you know replacing other crap. No, bring her in to you know set up whatever. Yeah, yeah. make it a story about her. I don't know. If it's going to be in, exposition, it might as well her be talking and telling us what's going on. I suppose. Right? <laughs> Make it a story about her involved in the in the police investigation to this ambulance crash. Yeah. I mean, hell, that would have been more exciting. So anyways, um, there you go. If, uh, if you've got any thoughts or you've seen other stuff that Denai Guerrero has been in, let us know. Send us an email at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com or give us a call at one eight six six. Four eight three nine six six two. It was fun watching some of her stuff. Um, I was, you know, I didn't know how it would go because, as I've said, it's kind of hard to choose things sometimes that uh, without knowing how much they're actually in it. And I think the visitor was a good choice, and uh, well, Restless City was a good choice. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so there you go. We will uh, pick another one, another person to spotlight in an upcoming episode, and uh, we will announce that uh, sometime soon. Listener feedback. All right. A little bit of listener feedback before we wrap things up here. Uh, Chris from the UK wrote in and he said, just rewatched the entire show from pilot to welcome to the tombs. Wow. Isn't working from home fun? (laughs) 
Anyway, there is an emerging theme from all the seasons, namely that the experience of watching them is more satisfying when you watch all the episodes close together. This is especially true for season two and three. Makes me wish Netflix was making the series. Although, how awful would it be uh, having to wait 51 weeks before next season? Seeing as I'm rambling, I've also found that my favorite episode when I watch the first uh, run is never my favorite episode when I watch again. This season, Clear, was my favorite watching live, but watching it again was Arrow on the Doorpost. I could watch Rick and the Governor for hours. Huh. So I watch everything two or three times, but I haven't really gone back and rewatched just kind of as a fan from the beginning over Well, and over you watch again. two or three times in a row, like one episode, you'll watch it two or three times back to back. Uh, I, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. At least twice, at least twice, sometimes a third time, but I haven't gone back and watched things just one at a time. And, and, you know, as a fan kind of from the beginning. And, uh, I wonder what, you know, if, if my feelings on episodes would change if I did that. You know what I think another uh, factor would be in, uh, in your opinion of, uh, of this show uh-huh. is getting paid to watch it. <laughs> if you're working from home yeah. and you have time to watch the show, seems like you're on the clock. So you're sitting there, you're on the clock, and you're watching TV, and someone's paying you a paycheck? Exactly. <laughs> That'd be okay. Uh, you probably, you know, to give, uh, to give him the benefit of the doubt, uh, he's probably watching on the, the time normally he would be commuting to and from work. Uh, maybe. He's also, he's also paying for it, though, because he pays for Netflix. Well, yeah, he's paying for it, but I'm, I'm saying not nece- he's not necessarily watching while he's working, supposed to be working during those hours. I'll just say that he, he's probably watching during the time he would normally be commuting to and from work, because you save that two, three hours. Yeah, that's true. A day commuting, or I do. I would if I was working from home. Yeah, my commute's about 15 minutes. Um, well, yeah, that's true. But I, I've, I've kind of wondered if, if it would change my opinion on on what i think is the best stuff from the show if i just watched it all again in rapid succession it might succession 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 um but it's an interesting thing maybe someday if i have time i'll do that or after another 10 years of walking dead we'll just start over and we'll watch it again and then podcast for another 15 years yeah until we're dead we have to (laughs) we do okay here's a call from dave in syracuse hey guys this is dave from syracuse calling I, I just had a thought, and I had to share it with you guys. At the end of season three, when Rick is bringing that busload of the Woodburyans back to the prison, and like they get out, and Carl's like, "Dad, what's going on?" and his, and and Rick says, "Oh, they're moving in." Wouldn't it have been hilarious? And God forgive me for saying this, if you would have, if if Carl would have said in response, "Oh, good, we can use a couple of red shirts." <laughs> Because that's what they're probably going to end up being. I just had to share. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Bye-bye. Those people are not destined for this world. For no, they're long. not. I was just wondering how many it would take to plug the hole at the other end of the, uh, of the prison. <laughs> just plug them. <laughs> what, just take a bunch of people and they're stuff them in the filler. <laughs> Fill the hole. <laughs> uh, all right, this one, this call comes from Sean in California. Hey, my name is Sean, and I'm from California, and I was wondering, uh, I had two questions. One, uh, what comic book character would you most like to come into the show? And two, what comic book situation would you most like incorporated into the show? Hi. All right, Jason. So, comic book character and or scene, let's just, let's say we'll just choose one, I think, that you would like to see into the show. 
Um, everyone listening, keep in mind, I don't know what he's going to say. I know what I'm going to say, but it could be spoilery for the comic if we're talking about something that's happened in the comic, obviously, that hasn't in the show. So um, if you're worried about that, we'll try to we'll try to avoid the spoilers too much, but it's hard to, you know, list something without saying what it is. So, uh, Jason. Oh, my God. You're putting me on the spot here. I, I know... I can go first. Yeah, you go first. All right. Um, Tyrese is on the TV show already. Correct. Um, but there's a scene, and this is kind of a small one. I'm not sure why I want it to be in the show so much. I think it has to do with increasing Tyrese's role on the TV show, giving his part, uh, giving his character a bigger part. But there's a scene in the comics where um, Rick and Tyrese end up at uh, end up fighting. They are, you know, they become very sort of right-hand man relationship kind of thing. They're co-leaders almost in the comic for a long time. And then something happens, and they end up having a pretty brutal fist fight. Yeah. And, um, you know, it goes on for many, many panels, and the outcome of of it is kind of crazy. So I think I'd kind of like to see that, I'm going to say. Tyrese is already in the show. I want them to give Tyrese a bigger part. And maybe bring that fight in. I if I if I had to choose something from the comic that wasn't like a big, crazy, you know, uh, issue ending panel or something like that, I'm going to go with the Rick Tyrese fist fight. Okay, because I think it, I think it would be good. I think it would be good. Now I don't know. Maybe they'll switch it up in the show and throw Daryl in the mix too. <laughs> but uh, let's just go with Tyrese and Rick punching the crap out of each other. Well, there you go. You got one? I do. And uh, I forget the uh, the guy's name, but and it's both a, a person and a situation. Uh, later on, after the prison, so this is definitely a, a spoilery kind of uh, situation, but they uh, they run across a church and a priest. Yeah. What, do you remember the priest's name? Um, nope. Uh, Father, what's his name? Uh, I would like to see that. I want to uh, I want to see that situation where they uh, they get holed up in a church and the uh, the priest and there's uh, I'm not going to spoil too much about what happens there but uh, uh, I thought that was a, a me- Father Gabriel Father Gabriel Stokes. that's right Father Gabriel Stokes so uh, I would like to see him and that situation yeah there's a lot of stuff going on around that time in the comic I will say that this is yeah post prison and uh, they're on the road and um, yeah some stuff. Some stuff is happening, but you, this this would be good too. I mean, this is a good uh, this is a good choice. It is. Um, I will, sorry if I do say so myself. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting. I thought you said this is interesting. I didn't think you were going to go with a good choice. No, I, I like this choice. Is what I mean. And uh, um, they could incorporate this kind of thing into the the show in a different way. You know what I mean? I um, in the comic, they've left the prison. And they encounter this priest, and they stay in his church a little while. They could do something along these lines without really totally leaving the prison. So that's true. Let's just leave it at that. Um, but thank you, Sean, in California. If you've got you know uh, a character or a scene you'd like to see, send it in. It'd be interesting to hear what people are looking forward to from uh, from the comic. Okay, finally, this email comes from Lord Captain Doctor David Awesome Esquire. On the internet. Quite the title, BSC. Yeah. <laughs> and this is sort of a crazy listener theory. It's a little bit long, but I'm going to plow through it here. And this is how he'd like to see season four play out. Cool. He says, I'd like to see Carl branch off and become something of a villain. 
My thought is that we would start the season several months later in the prison, which we know is going to happen now. Everyone happy and boring living and growing crops. Maybe they've even rustled up some livestock somehow. The only problem is that all the Woodburyans found out about Carl and the other kid who he killed in the forest and are harboring a bit of hostility. At the same time, there's also a minority group who want to send search parties to kill the governor. Carl is part of that group. In the night, the minority group steals many of the prison's weapons and escape, while Glenn and Maggie are on, quote, guard duty. Oh, yeah. In the rebuilt guard tower. At that point, Carl tells the group to wait while he goes back for something he forgot. He goes back in and heads to Michonne's room and even calls out to her. She's not there. He then goes to his father's room and peeks in to see Rick and Michonne asleep in bed together. (gasps) And yes, they are naked. Oh, my. He takes Michonne's sword and rejoins the group. But as he is almost out, Herschel sees him and threatens to blow the whistle on the whole operation. Carl shoots Herschel. The gunshot wakes everyone and they escape. The rest of the season would be split between Team Carl searching for the governor and Team Rick who leave the prison to search for Carl. This would allow them to call the prison home but not have to show it for every episode. It also is a way to not have to include too many of the new people. Throughout the season, Carl evolves into what appears to Rick as a villain and Rick evolves into what appears to Carl as a villain. So this really puts... Rick and Carl at odds. Yes, it does. But I think it's a pretty good storyline. It is a good story. <laughs> you know, I think this would be uh, this would, would be, be awesome. a, this would be a really good short story. Actually, <clears throat> that's a great uh, great. How many uh, words comment. is this? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's less than a thousand. It, I can tell you that. Definitely less than a thousand. Um, but yeah, if this happens on the TV show, very. Uh, you know, this might be cool. It might not last the whole season, but I think it's a pretty good, crazy listener theory from that's Lord... A good, that's a good story. I like it. Lord Captain Dr. David Awesome Esquire. PhD. That is a hell of a title. Um, and speaking of short stories, let's wrap up this podcast with a reminder that we are running our short story contest. 1,000 words or less. Short story can be more or less anything you want, and you have all the rest of the season until sometime in October to get it in. We will announce the actual, you know, deadline for short stories when we uh, when we know when the season is season four is premiering. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, we've got a bunch, and we want more. So please keep writing and sending in short stories. One question that a lot of people have asked asked me is, can they submit more than one story? And the answer is sure. Um, We'll consider up to three stories from any one person. Right. Um, the first three. Uh, yeah, the first three. Exactly. Not if, if you send in 12, you know, the first three will be your entries. Um, and that's just because I know a lot of people out there have a lot of different ideas. And, you know, it can't hurt to, you know, to write more than one idea, yeah. put one down in a story. So Yeah, there are some very prolific writers out there. Stephen King. That guy seems to just, like, crap books out his ass, man. Every 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 year, to to put it mildly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're long, man. I want to read Under the Dome, and I want to read. You should the, read Under the Dome, the one about the JFK assassination. Yeah, uh, what is it? Eleven twenty three, sixty three, or whatever, yeah. whatever it is. But both good books. Yeah, big uh, time investments for me. I'm telling nah, you, get them on Audible. That's how I consume them. They're fantastic. I I will definitely get them on Audible when I choose to do so, and I will use Audible. Uh, trial.com slash uh, talking dead when I do so. Awesome. Actually, I'm not allowed to, but if you're out there and you want to do that, you that can. would be fantastic. Anyways, short story contest running all summer. We got some great art prints by uh, Dave. 
I'm going to do my best to get them signed by Norman Reedus. So that just amps it up right there. Well, he's all over the place. So, he is. Uh, he's coming to Fan Expo in Toronto in August. I'm going to be there. I'm going to try and meet the guy and uh, shake his hand and get him to sign these for somebody. So Ask him why he isn't on set. <laughs> why do you keep what? saying everything's so great, but yet you're always <laughs> somewhere else? What are you doing here? Shouldn't you be working on the show? Yeah. Come on, man. Uh, anyways, that's going to be running all summer, so uh, send in your entries to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com or go to our website for more details. Hey, Jason, I have an idea. Sure. Do you think people would enjoy it if we uh, actually specifically reviewed a movie instead of, you know, on one of our episodes that wasn't really related to The Walking Dead? I'm thinking maybe we so. should go see World War Z and, oh. then, and then talk about it here. Have a special episode that uh, people who don't like when we ramble on about, you know, stuff that isn't directly related to the show <laughs> can just simply skip? They can simply skip it. Exactly. Okay. I, I, I don't know. I'm just thinking that comes out soon this month. And uh, I've been hearing some things about it. So I, I think I would like to go see it. But maybe we should, you know, make that happen and then talk about it here that uh, opening weekend if we can. If we can. I think we should put it on the books. Put it on the books. All right. Let us know what you think of that. If you want to hear us talk about something that's not Walking Dead related, which sometimes it feels like we ramble on during a regular podcast anyway. It, it is so. zombie related. It is. Or it's, at least Z related. Yeah, it's Z related. Z related. Um, let me know. That's, you know, that might be something we, we do. It could be kind of fun and uh, gives us a chance to go out and see the movie. So. We're thinking about that. Anyways, back to the task at hand. Give us a call, one eight six six four eight three 483 zomb Find us on Twitter, at Talking Dead, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. Uh, finally, send all your emails to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with a new episode, I hope. Um, and at that time, we'll probably announce our next Walking Dead actor spotlight, too. So uh, stay tuned for that. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening, everybody. Ciao.